<laughs> so stoked to be at Excel tonight. Hey, if it is your first time here, if it is your first time here, meaning you've never been here before, I just want you to just slip your hand up so I can see it. Do we got any new first-time guests here tonight? It's Kiana's I mean. Yeah. Hey. Yeah, come on. Give it up for our first-time guests. Yo, shout-out to Lakeview High School. Shout-out to Lakeview High School. I'm just, I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you're here. I'm Pastor Izzy. I'm the youth pastor here. And I love Chicago. And I, yeah, I said, Southside, you love Chicago, right? Facts. I love Chicago. I think this is the greatest city in the world. Hey, I just want to give a shout out. Um, uh, obviously, y'all know Emily Waterman, but uh, I just want to say hi to Parker and Sydney, and it's not Luke, and Trey. Yeah, I knew that. Guys, can you welcome them? Just say hi. So glad. This is probably super weird for them because they're used to me leading worship and not me preaching. So uh, don't judge me. I'll fight you. Um, when I was growing up, y'all probably aren't a lot. It's actually a lot cleaner now. But uh, I can't believe my parents let me watch this growing up, me and my brothers. Um, and it actually got us into a lot of trouble. When I was y'all's age, I used to watch the WWE. I used to watch wrestling, and yes, it's not real. I know that, but it's real to me anyway. It was real to me. I am proud to say, are you wearing a W? Who's that? Roman Reigns. Oh, snap. My wife likes Roman. Um, see, so does she say John Cena? <laughs> the movie star, right? I love the WWE. It got me and my brothers into a lot of trouble because if ever somebody was bullying one of us at school, like, I will, like, RKO a kid in the name of Jesus. You know what I'm saying? Like, I will RKO a kid if it means they're messing with my brother. Uh, legit, legit, my, my twin brother got suspended from school for, like, suplexing a kid who's picky on him. And my dad was like, was he picking on you? And he's like, yeah. He goes, all right, that was it. But we, we weren't allowed to watch wrestling. I'm proud to say I grew up in the Attitude Era. Some of my favorite wrestlers, I don't know, I don't know if I should promote them, but I probably shouldn't, I probably shouldn't. Um, but one of it, Stone Cold is one of my favorite. All right, um, I, I remember one of my favorite things about the WWE, though, is, and if you've ever been to one of the live events, you kind of always know the entrance music to every single person. So like baseball, right? They've got their like walking out song, right? Which is basically just any Bad Bunny song right now. Because True? True? It's true. It's Bad Bunny. It's literally Bad Bunny. Like the same Bad Bunny song. But, but like just like baseball players, just like boxers, right? Any boxers in the house, you like boxing, MMA, they all have a walkout song. And in the WWE, you knew like something was about to go down when you heard certain someone's song right? So like if it's Stone Cold Steve Austin, you heard like glass break. And then everybody knew just from that little sound, they're like, ah! like Stone Cold's coming out. Just... You know what I'm saying? Like, just like that. You like that? You like that? It's pretty close. He's my favorite, I'll tell you, right? So they make these grand 
entrances. Honestly, I, some of the questions I love to ask people when getting to know you is, if you had a walkout song as a wrestler, what would that song be? So think about it. If you could walk out to a song and you're in Madison Square Garden, you've got thousands of people watching you and you're about to beat somebody up, what's the song you're walking out on? Yell it at me, one, two, three. Somebody said, what? Linkin Park? Yeah, okay, I'm done with that. Somebody said, worship. I don't know who that was. <laughs> he said, reckless love. Rattle, right? Like, I'm walking out to rattle, right? Might get loud. Um, I would walk out to a song called Destroy Everything uh, by a band called Terror. Uh, all right. <laughs> How do I get to where I'm going? These grand entrances, we kind of know these, these wrestlers, these ball players, these boxers, because they're making a grand entry. They don't want to just walk up to the ring without lights and flashiness and things like that. It's an entrance. There's an entrance that we see in the Bible that was awesome and regal in a sense, but also very unusual. We see in Scripture Jesus making a grand entrance, but it's not like my favorite wrestlers. It's not like any Cubs player, right? It's not like any fighter. It's, it's honestly going to throw a lot of people off and or get them excited. You guys want to get into God's word tonight? Amen. Can we, we, y'all ready to get into God's word? Let me, let me just lay something out real quick. On Sunday, we're about to start something called Holy Week. So, Nod your head if you've ever heard of Holy Week. You know what Holy Week is. I'm seeing not a lot of people shake their head, so that's fine. Can I just break it down for you? Because we're going to go through Holy Week together. Say it together. So starting Sunday, you and I will begin what Christians call Holy Week. It's what we call Holy Week. And in Christendom, you and I as believers, basically this week is where we recount the last week of Jesus' life before he dies on a cross. So Holy Week starts with, does anybody know what it is? It's on Sunday. Palm Sunday. Palm Sunday. And ends with what? <laughs> Easter. Resurrection Sunday. Resurrection Sunday. Easter is the name of a pagan goddess. All right? We won't go there. <laughs> Tonight and next week, you and I will follow along the story and the moments that Jesus ultimately came to earth for. Why did Jesus come here? It wasn't to just hang out with 12 other dudes and just kind of do, do life together. He came down for a reason. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. He's here for a reason. And so this week is very important to us because, it, let me tell you something. I remember the week leading up to my dad's death, Right? And so if we know we got a week left with somebody, like if you found out today you got a week left with a special someone, you're going to do everything you can to do all that you can, and you're going to remember it, and you're going to cherish it. This is Jesus we're talking about. This is my best friend, your best friend. And this is something that I want to go through as a youth ministry so that we can get insight once again on who Jesus is and how he reveals himself to us. So this week is huge. It's not about the bunnies, all right? It's not about the egg-shaped Reese's, all right? 
You know what I'm saying? Although, although they hit sometimes, you know what I'm saying? They do hit. Ariel eats all of mine. All right? She does. She's like a crackhead for those things. All right. Don't tell her I said that, but we're streaming, so whatever. It's not about the egg hunts or the baskets. How many of you get Easter baskets? I get Easter baskets. My, my, my mother-in-law makes them. What's this week about? This is the last week of Jesus' life. And the, the stories and the moments that we're going to dive into is something to pay attention to. And so what I don't want for you to do is go through this week like it's any other week this year. Because this week is a pivotal moment for us. This week is foundational. This is the basis right here, this week, of all that you and I believe in. Jesus spent three years doing ministry, and none of that matters if this week didn't happen. None of that matters. All the healings, all the miracles, means nothing if this week didn't happen. Say Holy Week. As we look at some of Jesus' last moments, we get insight on who Jesus is. So I propose tonight that Jesus is this. Go ahead, throw up the first one. There it is. That Jesus is the king. No, go back. Sorry, go back. The king, the Lord, the Savior. He is our hope for Holy Week. Jesus wasn't some man. It's important for you to understand this as a believer. That he wasn't just some man, some prophet that walked the earth and did miracles. It's important that you and I know he wasn't just some humanitarian nomad. Wasn't just a homeless guy being nice to people. Right. This is, this is God's son. The savior of our world. You and I must acknowledge who Jesus is in his entirety. So seeing Jesus as the king, the Lord, and the Savior is foundational to our relationship with God and the basis of our faith. I want to dive into the beginning of Holy Week with the claim that this, next slide, Jesus is the king. He is the king. Say the king. And that's what Palm Sunday, so because I don't get to preach to y'all on Sunday, I mean, who knows, you know. <laughs> but because I don't get to hang out with you guys on Sunday and preach on Sunday, I'm going to preach Sunday right now. Is that okay? We're going to do it. So Palm Sunday is about royalty. This is Jesus' WWE grand entrance. So I want to paint the scene for you as we read the scripture. Here we go. Go ahead and throw the next slide up there. If you don't have your Bible... I've got one on the sky for you. It's called the Sky Bible. I love it. Shout out to Steve Zabota. John 12, verse 12 through 19. Go ahead and find it now. Go ahead. Pull out your phone. Turn on your Bible. Or just switch to the app. Because I know y'all already on your phone. So just switch to the app. Because don't just take my word for it. You read it yourself. But if you have trouble or you have some challenges, we have it right here on the screen. And I love that. So here we go. Y'all ready? If you're ready, say, uh-huh. uh-huh. If you got to say, oh, yeah. And then give me a nice big, whoa. All right. Verse 12. The next day, the large crowd that had come to the feast heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem. Jesus is coming. I love that. So they took branches of palm trees and went out to meet him, crying out, Hosanna. 
Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the king of Israel. Pause. So Jesus is showing up. He's on the scene. Cue Jesus' music. Dun -dun 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 -dun. Right? Whatever, right? Whatever song Jesus will walk out to, I think Jesus loves the little children. That's why. Anything listener kids, Jesus. <laughs> Shout out. They don't know. They don't know. Y'all asleep and on listener kids. Boom. Jesus is on the scene. People are like, oh, stop. Jesus is here. Quick. Go grab that palm tree branch. A little weird, but we're going to break that down in a second. So Jesus is showing up. He doesn't just show up, right, walking, right? Because this is a grand entrance, right? Or somewhat. Verse 14, and Jesus found a young, what is it? Donkey. Donkey. <laughs> Quick, say it like Shrek. One, two, three. <laughs> I love it. Sat on it. So Jesus found a donkey and was like, you know what? Yes, sit on it. Just as it is written, next slide, fear not, daughter of Zion. Behold, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's coat. We're going to get to this in a second. But ultimately, Jesus on this donkey, donkey, is actually fulfilling a prophecy, all right? <laughs> so, it's sitting on a donkey's coat. Verse 16, his disciples did not understand these things at first. But when Jesus was glorified in this moment, right, then they remembered that these things had been written about him had been done to him. The crowd that had been with him when he called Lazarus out of the tomb and raised him from the dead continued to bear witness. Next slide. The reason why the crowd went to meet him was that they heard he had done this sign. So the Pharisees said to one another, you see that you are getting nothing. Look, the world has gone after him. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. We honor you in this moment. And these are your words, Lord, not mine. And so... Help me preach your word in the way that you intended it to be understood. Let your Holy Spirit help us understand these truths. In Jesus' name, everyone says, amen. amen. Jesus is on the scene with his boys. And there's a lot of people, a lot of people coming to go see Jesus and his entrance. Once again, we find him riding on a what? Donkey. Donkey. And people are like, wait a minute. That was like in scripture. Whoa. And then the Pharisees are like being haters, like normal. Why am I talking to you about the story? Why is this important, right? You're like, Easter is about Jesus going to the cross. But it starts on this specific day. They call this the triumphal entry. Now, when you hear the word triumph, what do you think? Huh? Win winning? Winning. You think like you're winning, right? Right? What else? When you, when you hear the word triumph, what does it mean? Victory, right? And usually when there's victory, there's, there's opposition, there's conflict. There's usually some type of what? A battle, right? So it's, it's interesting to think that they call this a triumphal entry. But from the looks of it right now, it, Jesus is just on a donkey. So there are several things. There's five things. Say five. There's five things that I want to look at, and I want to break down the story on how and why we can declare that Jesus is the king. Say the king. He's royalty. And so let's break this down. Are you ready to write notes? Ready to take notes, Hua? Here we go. Five ways to see Jesus Christ as the king. Because once again, it's important that you and I understand the entirety of Jesus. 
Because there are some people that I've had conversation with that I, they're like, yeah, I believe Jesus was real and he was a dude, but like as far as the other stuff, I don't know. And maybe you're here tonight and that's where you are. You're like, listen, I know Jesus was really nice and he did some really cool things for people, but as far as like being a king, like prove that to me. Show me that. And there are five, I, there's probably more, but there are five different ways and five symbols in Scripture where I see that I can declare confidently that Jesus is the king, the king of all kings. You ready to take notes? Here you go. Number one, here's one way that we can see that Jesus is the king. It says if the palm branches, right, were a symbol of victory. Go ahead, next one. The palm branches are a symbol of victory. So I asked myself this question. I was like, time out. That's weird. If I, like, come into a room and everybody gets a bunch of, like, sticks, I start getting flashbacks when my mama used to whoop me with stuff. I'm like, no. Are they about to jump me with palm branches? Who's ever been hit with a palm branch? Of course JK raises his hand. I actually don't think you're lying. I think that's true for some reason. But I bet you that would probably hurt. How many of y'all, like, your mom... Your mom and dad are a little old school. They make you go outside, get a stick, and you get whooped with the stick that you pick. And then if you pick a switch, you know what I'm saying? And then if you picked a stick that wasn't good enough and it broke on you, they make you go out and get another one. Anyways, that right. I'm like, dang, mama, all this for what? I get it. So I want to break it down why they decided to take palm branches and throw them at the feet of Jesus. The palm branches were a symbol of victory. Look at verse 13. Go to verse 13 for me. Go to verse 13. So they took branches of palm trees and went out to him crying out, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the what? So if you need any question on if Jesus is the king or not, I mean, they're shouting it at him right now. But here's some more evidence. God's word tells us that People cut palm branches and they waved them in the air and they laid them out on the ground before Jesus as he rode into the city. The palm branch represented goodness and victory and was a, was a symbol. It was symbolic of the final victory, amen, that he would soon fulfill over death. But the palm branches also have been a symbol of Jewish nationalism since the time of the Maccabees. So you can do your history But this wasn't just like, guys, who forgot to order the flowers? We don't have flowers. We don't have flowers for Jesus. And then some guy, like the intern's like, "Uh, we can use palm branches. And they're like, dang it, I'm in. Here we go, right? So no, that's not what happened, all right? So this means something. This wasn't just they had palm branches that needed to do some pruning. This 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 is a national symbol of victory, of goodness. And it's been like that for forever. You see, here's what we can break down with this. The crowd in this moment looked to Jesus as a political and national savior. But there's something wrong with this. They see him as a political and national savior, but not so much as a spiritual savior. And so they're like, this is Jesus. This is, this is the guy. Right? Spy Kids 3D. This is the guy. So many references tonight. I had espresso before I came tonight. So I was like, ah! This is the guy. This is the guy we've been waiting for. Overthrow the government. <laughs> right? Rage against the machine. We're going to do it. 
And she's like, wait, wait a minute. As you see in a, in a few seconds, this is not what Jesus came to do. I'm not going to say it. I am going to say it. I'm not, I am going to say it because I have the mic. I've seen it on social media. And I've seen people use Jesus as a, as, as a source of political gain and political power. You've seen it with presidents, seen it with others. And you're seeing here in this moment, that's not what Jesus came here to do. And so Jesus, I'm sorry to those who might be watching online and might be listening to this later and those of you in this room that have had, this is in my notes, I'm sorry on behalf of the body of Christ if Jesus has been weaponized to sway you to a political party. Because you and I, here's, here's the deal. I'm not a Republican. I'm not a Democrat. I'm a citizen of heaven. First. And you see Jesus later on in scripture, support government. Pray for your leaders. Render unto Caesar what is Caesar's. Right? So, like, if his plan was to, like, overthrow the government, right, he would have done it or started doing it. That's not the Jesus that you and I serve. That's not the Jesus of the Bible. I don't care what anyone says. Amen? Sorry. That's a whole other thing. Is that good? So Jesus is being recognized as a savior, as royalty in this moment, as the king. Number two, how do I know that Jesus is the king? Jesus rode on a donkey. You're like, okay. Think about this. Think about this. Jesus chooses to ride in on a donkey, which, by the way, directly fulfilled the Old Testament prophecy in Zechariah 9.9. Let's actually put that up. Next verse. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your what? Okay, come on, say it with some, some moxie. Is coming to you. Righteous and having salvation is he. Humble and mounted on a what? On a colt, the fowl of a what? A donkey. This is like, this is a prophecy from the Old Testament. Saying, hey, the Savior, the Messiah is coming. And you'll know this because homie is going to be drifting on a donkey. If you've ever seen a donkey drift, show me that video after service. In biblical times, I want you to understand why this is important to, that Jesus was on a donkey. Because in biblical times, it was common for kings or important people to arrive by procession by riding like a horse, some kind of war horse. But Jesus shows up riding on a donkey. Jesus did this as a demonstration of the character of his kingdom. Look at this. Having salvation is he, what's the next word? Humble. 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 The character of his kingdom. Because his kingdom is a spiritual kingdom. It's not a military kingdom. I went, oh, I'm, not go, I, I'm trying not to go this way. But because you guys see it all the time on social media, I know you do. But it's like when I, I just, I'm, I, I'm sick of seeing political parties weaponize Jesus. I've seen pictures of Jesus with like ARs. <laughs> like, like, 
That's, no, 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 no. That's not Jesus at all. But this is what the people need, what they think they need. Like we need, we need a savior. Because if you don't know this, Jews at this time were oppressed by Romans, by the Roman Empire. And so they're like, we want freedom from them. We want to out. And they think in this moment, Jesus is it. Going to overthrow Rome. It's going to be a great time. It's going to be war. But Jesus is lit. And then they see him riding on a donkey. And then what? Humble. It was a spiritual kingdom, not a military kingdom that he's trying to build. He came in peace, not war. The donkey symbolized peace. So those who chose to ride them showed that they came with peaceful intentions. Jesus, Jesus even then reminded us that in that moment, he's a prince of peace. Palm branches, victory, and goodness. Now all of a sudden, the next symbol we see is this donkey that's representing peace. Here's number three. How do I know that Jesus is the king? Number three is people shouted, Hosanna. People shouted, everybody shouted, one, two, three. Right, Hosanna. Like, this is the song that they're singing. This is awesome. This isn't like some girl's name that works at Starbucks. It's actually Hosanna, right? Like, whatever, just give me the coffee. When the people shouted, Hosanna, what were they doing, right? I asked myself this question, what are they doing? They were hailing Christ as the king. This wasn't just a random song that they're singing or word that they're just throwing up in the air, you know, that's kind of lifeless. They're just saying things. They were quoting a messianic psalm in Psalm 118. Go ahead, throw it up there. It says, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. What they're singing, what they're shouting comes from a psalm. Hosanna, actually the word in Hebrew means save now. So put that in your notes. Hosanna equals save now. Save now. It's kind of like, why? Are they, that's kind of weird to shout, no? Like, yo, Jesus, you're the man. Like, I think like people would do that, right? Like people would shout how cool Jesus is. But they're shouting Hosanna, which sounds like a name, but it really is them calling to action. They're calling Jesus to do something in this moment. Wake him up. Right? The shouting, Hosanna. It means save now. And though in their own minds, they waited for an earthly king, God had a different way of bringing true salvation to all those who trust in him. Save now. Can you kind of hear, this is a celebration, right? Like they're kind of celebrating, they're welcoming Jesus in. It's lit. They're throwing palm trees everywhere. They're singing songs. And they're saying this, like in, in a celebratory tone. Save now! Like what? That's just weird, right? I think there's a hint, if anything, of desperation in their voice. We're tired of being oppressed. And if you are who you say you are, save us now. You ever been there? 
You ever been in a really bad spot in your life and you see Jesus walking and doing an entrance into other people's situations and all you can say is celebratory, yeah, save now, but save me. He's come to save you. The issue is the people didn't understand what exactly and how exactly he was going to do this. So again, the Jesus that they've, they've created in their minds by missing all of these signs is one of political power, one that's going to overthrow the government. And that's not the Jesus that you and I serve. It's not the Jesus that came. I would rather Jesus overthrow the lies and the death and the destruction of hell and all of those things than a small government. But they don't see this right now. They think Jesus is here to overthrow Rome. Number four, how do I know that Jesus is the king? He wept for the city. We don't, we don't really read this part. I actually was like kind of thrown off by this when I was reading a commentary. Like somebody brought in another passage from another gospel, the gospel of Luke, and talks about how Jesus, his, his countenance and the way he was before people started throwing a party. This is crazy. So this is in Luke chapter 19. It says this, Luke 19, verse 41, 42. Do we have that actually? Make sure, perfect. As he approached Jerusalem and saw the city, he wept over it and said, so this is him talking. So whenever Jesus talks, you and I need to sit up in our seat, pay attention to this. He wept over it. And said, if you, even you, had only known on this day what would bring you peace, but now it is hidden from your eyes. The Bible says that, leave that verse up there. The Bible says that Jesus wept for Jerusalem. So like even in the praise and, and, and celeb- celebration of this moment, he's crying. He knew in his heart that it wouldn't be long, listen to this, that the same people who are welcoming him, crying out to him, celebrating him, making his kingship known, are the same people that later this week will uncover are the ones to turn their back on him, betray him, and ultimately crucify him. He's crying. Why? Because his heart broke with the reality of how much they needed a savior. Look at what the gospel says again at Luke. As he's approaching Jerusalem. I liked, I kind of read this. And anytime it said city or, or Jerusalem, I kind of put myself there. As Jesus approached me in all of my sin, in all of my shame. That's it. That's us. That's you and I. We're the city. We're Jerusalem. And he's crying over us. Because he's saying, if you guys only knew what was going to happen to me. He's saying, if you only knew what would bring you peace. 
If you only knew what I was going to have to do, what I'm going to have to do, so that you don't have to feel the, the, the wages of sin anymore. Oh, man. But he says, but now it's hidden from your eyes. You see the heart of our king in this moment. What's stopping him from turning around and being like, oh my gosh, I'm out. I'm out of here. You want me to do what? I'm out. It's the love for the people. You serve a king that's not distant from you. You serve a king that isn't a dictator that's going to rule with an iron fist. You serve a king that cries over you, that thinks of you, that wants to bring you peace. That's the king that you and I serve. Last one, number five. And then Ara, if you could just come up and just play. <clears throat> number five, you still with me? Say, who? Number five, we've got to throw it up there. He's king because his kingdom will reign forever. Let's look at this. Palm Sunday reminds us that the reign of Christ is far greater than any man's mind could ever conceive or plan. Listen, you see, man looked for someone to fight their battles in the present day world, yet God had the ultimate plan of sending his son to fight the battle over death. This is the greatness of why we celebrate this week. Because of Christ's ultimate sacrifice, you and I have been set free from death. But here's, here's the problem that I think Christians have, have ran into when it comes to the Easter holiday. Is we almost forget about the week leading up to this, this resurrection moment. Yeah, you know what? That's awesome. I 100% want to celebrate the life of Jesus Christ. It is because of his resurrection and the truth and the belief in that that you and I are saved. Romans 10, 9. But we cannot forget that this man, this loving, caring, kind, gentle, humble Savior endured a week-long trial that was horrible. And so it's so easy for us that instead of sitting in some of this sorrow and in some of this pain, we want to get straight to the resurrection because that's the good news. But how can you and I understand the good news if we don't understand the bad news, what makes the good news good? The bad news. What is the bad news? That sin entered to this world and was dead set on separating you and I from Christ, you and I from the Father. The Bible says that the wages of sin is death, and so there had to be a price. It had to be paid. And he's crying over the city because I believe in his heart. He's saying, if I don't do this, if I don't sit on this donkey, if I don't ride into the city, no one else can and no one else will. So I've got to do it. We had a king who laid down his crown for you and I. This is the greatness of why we celebrate this week. This week is so important. So what I don't want for you to do is go about this week nonchalantly thinking Easter's around the corner. Yay, 
but I'm encouraging you to find yourself in God's word in one of the gospels, preferably this one in John, and reading about the moments that led up to what we celebrate as Resurrection Sunday. I want to read you a, a psalm. I think Psalm 145. And it encompasses, in my heart, in my opinion, once again, this, a song of royalty. Go ahead and throw it up. The Lord is good to all. He has compassion on all he has made. All your works praise you, Lord. Your faithful people extol you. They tell of the glory of your kingdom and speak of your might so that all people may know of your mighty acts and the glorious splendor of your kingdom. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and your dominion endures through all generations. Leave it up. A king has a what? Not your question, right? What kind of king doesn't have a kingdom? So even before Jesus, the psalmist David, he's writing this celebratory song and he's declaring God's reign, God's rule over your life. And your kingdom is everlasting and your dominion endures through all generations. The Roman Empire fell. As you see kingdoms and reigns of different empires, what do they all have in common? They all fell. You and I have been adopted into a royal family whose kingdom will reign forever. Whose kingdom will reign forever. This moment right here, Palm Sunday, is what kicks off one of the most important weeks of Jesus' life. Because next week, and I encourage you to come next week, because we're going to approach his betrayal and even his death. But for now, you and I can celebrate at least this thought that we were in need of a Savior and he's finally come and he's finally here. And he's not weak, but he's strong. He's of royal blood. For in just a few days, his glory is going to be on display. Listen, Jesus must be the king of our lives. He is a just and kind king. And he won't take advantage of you. He won't leave you. He won't abandon you. He wants to protect you. He also wants to make you royalty. Seeing Jesus as the king means what? That you obey him. You serve him. You have relationship with him. You love him. You talk to him. You depend on him. You call out to him. You worship him. You praise him. And you also be loved by him. In this day and age, our culture tells us to be your own boss. Nobody can tell you what to do. No one can ruin and or run and rule your life. True, because they're all going to fail. But I'm telling you here as a testimony 
today that when I gave my life to Jesus and not just make him my savior, but my Lord and my king, I'm able to stand here. He sustained me. He watched over me. He cared for me. He has not abused me. He has not used me. My whole life I've dedicated to this man, this savior, this king. And this king who sits on his throne sees me and sees you. We're going to talk about this next week, but I want to preface it. It's easy for us to just recognize Jesus as the savior. Right? He saved you. Great. Once you accept that salvation, that gift of grace, what now? What then? Are you a friend of Jesus? Is he the Lord of your life? Meaning he has the say in your life. Meaning he can tell you what to do through scripture and through his Holy Spirit. That's a question that you have to ask yourself. Is he also the king of my life? Or did he just save me? I'm telling you tonight, you are missing out on the fullness of God and the fullness of Jesus if you don't see Jesus as the king who loves you with every head bowed and eyes closed. If you're here tonight, I'm not gonna emotionally manipulate you for a response that I can feel better. This is just the truth. And I believe in scripture that says the truth will set you free. You are in bondage. You are a slave to your depression. You're a slave to your addiction. You're a slave to the sin in your life. Yes, you are a sinner. There are no good people. Well, I'm a good person. Wrong. We are all sinners. And we are all in need of a Savior. And that sin binds us. That sin shackles us. Some of the things that you are dealing with in your life has taken you captive. And there's two types of people. Those of you who know you need a Savior and those of you who have been blinded to think that living in change is what you were made for and what you were supposed to do, and that is a lie. I serve a king, and his name is Jesus, and he can break any chain. There is not a prison that he can fling the doors open to and release those who have been caught in his wages and in the, in the death and in the sin that is in your life. He can do it. So if you're here tonight, I'm offering you an opportunity to know this king to know this man named Jesus. You say, I need help. I'm tired of feeling the way I'm feeling. I'm tired of feeling alone. I'm tired of feeling like nobody cares. I'm telling or feeling that I won't ever be good enough for other people. And I just need help. I need release. I need someone to tell me that I'm going to be okay. I need someone to tell me that they love me no matter what I do. And I'm here to tell you that Jesus loves you no matter what you've done, no matter what you're doing, no matter what you're going to do. This king is gracious. He won't just give you a second chance. He'll give you a third one and a fourth one and a fifth one. Not so that you can abuse the gift of grace, but to let you know that he is always there for you. The things in your life that you keep going back to 
You know deep down inside those things don't satisfy you. You leave empty every time you're with that person. Every time you take that pill. I'm offering you freedom tonight through a man named Jesus. And I'm not asking you to be perfect. I'm not asking you to have everything together. I'm not asking you to be healed. I'm asking you to be exactly who you are right now. So if you're here and you say, Pastor Izzy, I want to know Jesus the way you know Jesus. I want Jesus to be the Lord and Savior of my life. I understand that I need help and I want him to help me. If that's you and you want to start a relationship with Jesus for the very first time, I just want you to, no one's looking around. I just want you to slip up your hand just so that I can see it. I want you to put it right back down. Go ahead, do that now. If that's you, just slip up your hand, put it right back down. I see that. Awesome. Is there anybody else? You're not alone, obviously. Awesome, I see that. Anybody else? Awesome, I see that hand. For some of you, what you're feeling in this moment is conviction. You're like, I've been doing things I'm not supposed to be doing. I know Jesus, but I'm not doing what I'm supposed to be doing. And it's not that you need a Savior right now because you've been saved. It's that you need to walk in the salvation and walk in the freedom that he's given you. Anybody else? You want? Yeah, I see that. Awesome. You want to have a relationship with Jesus for the very first time? I'll wait. I'll wait. Because I love you that much. I'll wait for you. Here's what we're going to do. If you can just stand to your feet. We're going to close the night just like this. Listen, I won't bring the band up. so easy for us to get to the altar and get emotionally riled up. We can celebrate that our king has come, but in the next few days, in the next few moments we have, we're going to reflect on what exactly Jesus is doing. So if you would bow your heads with me one more time and just repeat after me. Say, Lord Jesus. Say, Lord Jesus, I know you're here through your Holy Spirit. I see you in your word that you're caring, that you're kind, you're gracious and humble. I need that. I need you. I'm stuck in my sin. And I realize that that sin is going to send me to a place that was never meant for me. It's called hell. But if I were to believe in you, that you died for me was resurrected for me that I'd be saved that I'd get your help and so Jesus I love you I know you love me forgive me of my sins I welcome you as the king of my life my Lord and my Savior in Jesus name and everyone says come on come on let's just celebrate with those who prayed that prayer. That's awesome. That's amazing. I want to encourage you to take some time this week to really sit down and read about Holy Week. All you got to do is go on your Bible app, type in Holy Week. There's going to be resources there for you. This isn't like any other week. 
This is one of the most important weeks of our faith. I don't want you to miss out on the richness, the truths that are jewels to us about who Jesus is. When we recognize and we really understand who Jesus is, then our love for him grows. When our love for him grows, he starts to change us and rearrange us. Amen. I want to end with one more thing. Um, Spring breakaway, I know I said this earlier, but I have been praying for this coming uh, retreat for a long time. If you don't know this, Spring Breakaway will be a one-year anniversary of uh, XL Youth announcing Ariel and I as the youth pastors. So this is like a full circle moment. Yeah, it's amazing. It's amazing. Thanks for clapping. Um, every every leader in here can tell you stories of moments that God met them and spoke to them at retreat I actually encourage you to ask some of the leaders about it and so I want the best for you I want you to get away from your parents right you know what I'm saying mom and dad you gotta get away sometimes I want you to get away I want you to unplug I want you to find community build relationship with one another and I want you to sit in the presence of God like you've never sat in before And I want God to speak to you like he's never done before. And I want God to set this youth ministry on fire. And I want to see miracles happen. I want to see the impossible happen here, like we've already seen, Kiana being one of them. Kiana got healed a few Sundays ago at a worship night. And God doesn't just want to stop or start with her. There's there's power for you. There's healing for you. If you want to go to spring breakaway, and your parents give you the green light, sign up. Just come. Just come. Don't worry about the money. We'll figure that out later. The people of this church are very generous. They believe in you. People are giving because they believe in you. They want to invest in your life. This church cares about you. So they want you to go. And it's going to be a whole lot of fun. And I will see which team wins. <laughs> Let me pray for you one more time. Lord, thank you for this youth ministry that has been such a blessing and a gift. You love this youth ministry. You are calling this youth ministry. You want to do great things with this youth ministry. Not for the advancement and the praise of this church, but for the advancement of your kingdom and to the praise of your glory, the blessing of our lives. That's what you want for us. So, Lord, as we continue to go through this holy week, I pray that you would bring tonight's sermon and your word back into our hearts and that we would reflect on you and your son Jesus being the king and the Lord of our lives. So, Lord, we love you and we praise you. And we can't wait to see what you're going to do in the next coming weeks as we get ready for the greatest weekend called Spring Breakaway. And everyone says... Come on, give God a hand clap one more time. Hey, I love you. I'm proud of you. I will see you Sunday.